Welcome to Sunday School for Heathens. The show where we learn about Christianity and how weird it sounds to everyone else. I'm Shannon. And I'm Brian. I am not a priest and I do not have a degree in theology. I'm just the kind of guy who grew up celebrating St. Nicholas Day by eating an orange that was left in my shoe. And I have never had weird things put in my shoes for holidays and I'm okay with that. I mean, we also got a toy. That's exciting. <laughs> I mean, I spent two years of my childhood living in Mexico where you were worried about, like, lizards and scorpions and crawly things in your shoes. Oh, that's also happened to me. I've been stung by a scorpion that was left in my shoe. I forgot that you lived in Arizona for a while. <laughs> but all of my associations with surprises in your shoe are not fun surprises. Well, you just need a weird bishop to come visit you. Apparently. <laughs> they come from bishops? Actual uh, bishops or fictional bishops? Actual bishop. The story about whether he put things in shoes is maybe true. Okay. Is that what we're talking about today, Brian? That's actually not what we're talking about. Okay. (laughs) I wasn't sure. Maybe we were talking about St. Nicholas. Yeah. So that would have been a great Christmas episode, but we're not doing that. Okay. We are doing a Christmas episode. Ooh, I was wondering if we were going to get seasonally appropriate. We're talking about the three wise men, but also kind of that whole nativity story. Okay. Nativity, but specifically the three wise men. Mostly the three wise men. I throw in some other stuff because there's some other fun stuff in here. Awesome. So this story, it comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Okay. Have we talked about the Gospel of Matthew before? Is he one with two names? I don't think so. I just worry now that they all have two names. Uh, if it's if they have two names and it's important that they have two names, I'll let you know. Okay, because I just know some of them have two <laughs> names and now I'm paranoid. No, I, you're, you're fine just with Matthew. Okay, Matthew. Uh, only two out of the four Gospels even talk about Jesus' birth at all. Okay, Matthew and what's the other one? Matthew and Luke. Luke. And only one of them mentions the wise men. And that's Matthew. That's Matthew. Matthew was the second Gospel written, or if you ask our good buddy St. Augustine, it was the first. That's okay. why it's listed first. <laughs> what do other people think was the first? Uh, Mark. Mark is... Like, historically, Mark was first. Okay. But Matthew was written in about 80 CE. Got it. So that's like 15 years before John, which is the other one that we've, like, talked about a bunch. Okay, so the second written, but it's the first when you're, like, picking up a Bible and you open a Bible. Exactly, because historically they thought it was first. Okay, and this is New Testament? This is New Testament. Okay, yeah, because the Old Testament starts with, and then there was darkness, and then there was light, and whatever, in Genesis. Yes, Because you have to build the world first. Yes. Uh, Anything that's a gospel is going to be in the New Testament. Got it. I'm making a note. So this gospel, uh, Matthew's, was written for a Jewish audience. Okay. Um, So there are lots of callbacks to Jewish scripture and tradition that are embedded into it. Interesting. And you said we wouldn't talk about Judaism on this show. I mean, this is, like, the amount of Judaism that I, like, feel comfortable that I'm not going to accidentally offend someone. (laughs) Okay, fair. The story is, it's not very long, but the, I'll kind of give an overview of the whole birth of Jesus story in Matthew's gospel. Please tell us the story of Christmas. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) So Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Okay. Before they were married though, Mary got pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Oh, I didn't realize that they weren't married yet when that happened. They were betrothed. Okay. Joseph didn't want to break the law, but he also didn't want to disgrace Mary, so he decided to quietly divorce her. They still had to get divorced because they were already betrothed, 
which is like a step in marriage that's not quite marriage. But he had to divorce his wife for being the mother of the Christ child? Is this because Mary has to marry God now? (laughs) No. Mary doesn't marry God. But then why can't they be married? They will get there. (laughs) I'm just confused. Okay, Joseph doesn't know about that it's the Holy Spirit. Okay, he just thinks that she got knocked up. Yes. Great. That (laughs) makes more sense. (laughs) No, Mary, Mary does eventually marry Joseph. Okay, I thought so. For a minute there, I thought everything I knew about the story of Jesus' birth was a lie. Joseph is mad right now. Okay. Thinks, thinks that Mary got knocked up. Yeah. Then an angel comes to Joseph in a dream. Okay. And Does it have a name? I know some of the angels have names. N- no, not, okay. not in this story. I wasn't sure. Some of the angels have names. Uh, that's fair, but no, not, not in this story. Great. So the angel comes to Joseph in the dream and says, Joseph, son of David, Mary is pregnant through the Holy Spirit, so you should totally still marry her. Okay. Was that awkward to have to go back on the divorce? I don't think he actually did it yet. He was just planning on it. He he had gotten the ball rolling, but they weren't finished. Probably. That whole divorce proceedings. I'm sure that it was at least kind of bureaucratic, right? I mean, he was purposely trying to do it quietly so that she wouldn't get, like, stoned. I mean, they were going to have to stone her eventually if they figured it out. She was going to become visibly pregnant. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess props to him for trying to be a good guy about it. Right. Yeah. Joseph, totally cool dude. Great. So an angel comes to him and says, you done fucked up. You should probably go back and marry this girl. Yes. Okay. So the angel has more things to say. He says the child will be a boy. Okay. And you should name him Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. Okay. Then the angel says, uh, this fulfills the prophecy. Look, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they will name him Emmanuel. Okay. Two questions. Shoot. One, is this prophecy about a virgin giving birth something that's mentioned in the Old Testament, or is this the first time we've heard about this prophecy? This one is mentioned in Isaiah. It's a real thing. Okay. So there was, before Jesus' birth, someone did have a prophecy about immaculate conception. Yes. Great. Um, they didn't retcon that somehow. There. Oh, there's there's one that later that they do, totally. Uh, <laughs> okay. But uh, that's a different prophecy. Like I said before, Matthew was writing for a Jewish audience, so he knew his shit when it came to the right. the scripture. And so he, he's pulling it all in. Okay, so the Old Testament does at some point say a virgin will give birth and his name will be Emmanuel. Yes. So where does Emmanuel come in? We're getting into <laughs> some, like, Department of Mysteries, Neville or Harry Harry Potter shit happening right here. So I actually, I was like, oh, Shannon's going to ask about this. I had a note about it. Good. Good. So, yeah, they don't actually name him Emmanuel. But uh, the angel tells them not to name him Emmanuel. No, the angel tells them, you shall name him Emmanuel. No, uh, I thought the angel said to name him Jesus. Yeah, the, the angel says to name him Jesus so that they can fulfill the prophecy that says the name of Emmanuel. The best explanation I could get for this was that Emmanuel is, like, kind of like a nickname. I'm making a face. <laughs> like how th- this is the, the example that the, the author of this article <laughs> put was it's like how Babe Ruth is called the Sultan of Swat, but no one really thinks his name is the Sultan of Swat. That's just a descriptive nickname. So Emmanuel is a descriptive nickname in yes. ADCE? Yes. Or whatever year this is theoretically happening? Uh, Zero? This is, yeah, it's happening in like... Three to five BCE. Okay. Yeah. And Emmanuel means God with us. So it is a descriptive nickname. <laughs> I'm making a note. So Joseph woke up, took Mary as his wife, but definitely didn't have sex with her until after 
She had had her son who they named Jesus. Okay. It's, they make very clear to point out, no sex. Got married, no sex till after Jesus. Yeah. Or, I mean, depending on who you ask, we've, we've been over this uh, a couple times. Maybe never maybe, maybe, sex. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we don't know. In which case, I feel bad for Joseph. Um, it's okay. Some people think that Joseph had uh, previous wives. So, like, okay. And maybe at some point he was getting some. Sure. But I feel bad <laughs> that he, like, got betrothed to a girl, was maybe excited about it, found out she was knocked up, tried to divorce her, and then basically got guilted by an angel into marrying her. And they proceed to have a presumably long and potentially happy marriage that might or might not include never having sex so that Mary can continue to be a virgin. Yeah. That's... I think that falls squarely into way more than you signed up for. I mean, all of them were, were I mean, in so this pretty deep. <laughs> getting knocked up by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now we are jumping to the wise men. Okay. Meanwhile... Yeah, so after Jesus was born... Mm-hmm. Some wise men from somewhere unspecified in the East came to Jerusalem. Okay. And there's three of them. There are some wise men. A number of wise men. A number of wise men. From somewhere in the East. From somewhere unspecified in the East. Come to Jerusalem. Yes. Uh, they say that they're looking for the king of the Jews because they saw his star rising and they wanted to come do him homage. Now, are these Jewish wise men? No. They're specifically okay. not Jewish. So then why does it matter that he's the king of the Jews to them? So the, like, why why are they included in this story level is, again, Matthew was writing for Jewish people, and he was kind of writing to include these, these like, really cool Gentile dudes as a way to be like, and now the Savior is the Savior of us all, and it's not just for us Jews. We should include everybody. Oh, so this is like a help let's convert you away sort of shtick? No, this is... So... Christianity was still kind of Judaism at this time. So it's like, we need, but we shouldn't be as closed off anymore. We should, like, let these other people into our thing. Okay. Because the Christ is bringing everybody in, including these guys from somewhere in the East. Is this how we get Jews for Jesus? No. Okay. There's just a lot of, like, Judaism, Christianity, Jesus for everybody, like, nebulousness happening right now. I mean, it... Christianity wasn't its own, like, thing separate from Judaism until, like, a couple hundred years after Jesus died. Until Paul, right? Yeah, like, Paul... Well, Paul was still a Jew. Not even Paul. Until yeah, after, like after Paul. Paul. Wow. Um, I guess that's true. I mean, Jesus was born into the Jewish faith, and he identified as Jewish, presumably, for his entire life. Yeah. He just also was wandering around preaching that he was the Messiah. Yeah, he was the, the Messiah, which, which is a Jewish thing. Correct. Okay, so three, an, or no, an unspecified, an unspecified, so an unspecified number of wise men From. come to Jerusalem seeking the king of the Jews. Now they are not Jews, so he is not their king, but he, they saw his star rising and they wanted to come pay homage. Yeah, basically, because they're like, this is important. Even we can recognize that. Great. So they came, they just stormed into town and announced this. And it freaked out King Herod and all of the people in Jerusalem. Because they're like, we didn't know the king of the Jews was here. Where'd the king of the Jews go? And they're like, we're Jewish. We should know this. <laughs> Surprise! Uh, they come in and the, the king calls together all of the priests and scribes to figure out where this king of the Jews would be born. His priests and scribes tell him Bethlehem, based on the scripture. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. 
That, this is also another thing from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Micah. Okay. So then Herod gets these uh, wise men and asks when the star appeared. And the story doesn't say when the star appeared, but he asked them, and I presumably they told him. <laughs> and then he sends them off and tells them to report back when they found the child so that he can also go worship this child. Okay, so they send this unspecified number of wise men to, to Bethlehem. Yes. Fun fact, my parents have been to Bethlehem. Oh, We have neat. Christmas ornaments on our Christmas trees from Bethlehem. This is very cool. I yeah. have not been to Bethlehem. That's that's my that's my fun fact for the show. Yeah, this is where Shannon beats me at being religious. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think I was there. Um, okay, so at some point Herod must ask them when the star happens, but we don't actually know what their answer is. Yeah, they don't actually. That's not in the the text, but he asks, so they probably answered. Great. So then the wise men get to the house and they see Mary with her baby. Okay. Now, is it a house or is it a manger? In this story, it's a house. Okay. Will we talk about the manger later? No, there is no manger in this story. But then where does the manger come from? The manger is in Luke. Okay. So Matthew is in a house and Luke is in a manger. And the generic version of this story comes from molding these two together. Basically. <laughs> Why is the manger the better story? Um, I don't know. It's, I guess it's more, more interesting. It's more dramatic. And then you have an excuse to put like... Sheep and goats and lambs in your nativity? Yeah, there's also no shepherds in this story. Interesting. Other than Joseph, because he was a shepherd? No, Joseph was a carpenter. Oh, okay. I thought Jesus was a carpenter. They're both carpenters. That's how it worked. You, okay. You knew what your dad did. Fair. I didn't know, but Jesus, <laughs> Jesus went off against did not what his dad did in a lot of ways. I wasn't sure if carpentry was one of them. No, Jesus and Joseph, both carpenters. Okay, so we're so, in a house. Wise men get to this house. Not a manger. They bow down and they worship and they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah. Okay, if there's no shepherds, are there also no goats and sheep? Not in the story. Okay. There are. If there are any animals in this story, they're like maybe camels that because the they, wise men were riding. That's fair. I We have a nativity at my mom's house that has camels in it. Okay. So maybe camels. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting hung up on the details because I'm trying to paint this picture in my head. Oh, I wait for this. I have a good, I have a good mental image for uh, this nativity scene. Uh, right. The gold, according to one source that I read, was a golden apple and thirty gilt pennies. Great. <laughs> so gold, frankincense, myrrh. Um, yeah, and the the gold was because this child would grow up to be a king. The frankincense was used in religious ceremonies, so it was because he would be a priest. And the myrrh was perfume for dead bodies because he would die for his people. That's ominous. Yeah, kind of a weird thing to yeah. bring to a birth, but okay. Yeah, we're bringing a little funeral into your yeah. into your birth. The wise men were warned in a dream, of course. Of course, uh, by an angel? Doesn't specify, but probably. Is this after they've worshipped Jesus? They've After they've worshipped Jesus. Okay, after they have a dream. They're warned in a dream to not go back to Herod. So they go home a different way. Oh, because they know Herod's going to be a bad guy. Yeah. So then Joseph gets another dream. Great. <laughs> saying that he should take the family and hide in Egypt because Herod was going to try to kill Jesus. And this was to fulfill another prophecy. <laughs> oh, gosh. That said, out of Egypt I called my son. It's in Hosea. All right. So the wise men have a dream. Um, and then Joseph has a dream to go to Egypt. Yes. And honestly, this prophecy was 
probably referring to like the ancient Israelites who actually like came mm-hmm. up out of Egypt, right. but it gets applied to Jesus here, which is probably fine. All right. So the wise men don't come back to Jerusalem. Okay. And Herod gets mad and he gives orders for his men to kill all of the boys in and around Bethlehem who are two years old and younger. Okay, this is not that other time that lots of babies die in the Bible. This is a different time babies die in the Bible. Correct. Correct. You're thinking of Moses. Plagues, right? That's another... Yes, babies die and then there are also plagues in the Moses story. So Moses (laughs) has lots of child death. Yes, but this is a, a comparison between Jesus and Moses because what Matthew is trying to do is draw back to... The Moses story, like Moses led his people, Jesus is going to lead his people. Great. So we're we're bringing it all together. Yeah. So Herod has a bunch of babies killed in and around Bethlehem. And then eventually Herod dies and Joseph is told in yet another dream that it's okay to go back. But they go to Nazareth instead of Bethlehem because Herod's son is ruling in Bethlehem. And they also had to fulfill one more prophecy. <laughs> Uh, okay, the... <laughs> well, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> There's a lot of caps in today's notes. <laughs> there are a lot of prophecies in today's notes. A, a third dream for Joseph. Another prophecy, too. <laughs> okay, so they go not to Jerusalem. They go to Nazareth because of the prophecy he will be called a Nazarene. Right. Which is actually not in the Old Testament. <laughs> Where does it come from? <laughs> so... It could be that instead of meaning from Nazareth, they meant branch instead of Nazarene. So this could have been a translation error? Possibly. Because without vowels in uh, ancient Hebrew, because there are no vowels in in ancient Hebrew, Mm -hmm. the word branch looks very similar to the word Nazarene. And there's a passage in Isaiah saying that the Messiah is a branch from the root of Jesse, who is David's dad. So it's talking about lineage. So like... Maybe. Okay, so they might have gone to Nazareth for no reason, because he is just a branch sort of inherently. Yeah, it could also be from a source that we don't have. Great. And my favorite, it could be that he was using Nazarene to refer to someone who people hate, because people hated Nazareth. (laughs) And there are passages in both Psalms and Isaiah that talk about the Messiah being despised by his own people. Okay. So we're just fulfilling prophecies for reasons that might or might not be useful and might or might not just be, like, shitting on Nazareth. Yeah. Okay. So that is the whole story. That's everything about the nativity that Matthew gives us. Okay. So we found it, and then Jesus goes to Nazareth, and then we flash forward in time, right? Yeah. And then the rest of the Bible happens? Yeah. The, The next thing that happens is Jesus is, like, 12 and runs away for a little bit. Okay. But that's a different story. We'll get there somehow. <laughs> okay, so this is all we know about an indeterminate number of wise men from an indeterminate place in the East. That's all we know from the Bible. Okay. But tradition has built up a lot of things about these wise men. Clearly, because I know at least three things. <laughs> so what do you know about the wise men? That there were three of them. 
and that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and that they were led, there. and that they were led by a star. The second two things were both in there. It's true, but I know exactly <laughs> three things about these wise men, and only two of them are in the Bible. We can assume that they were astrologers and interpreters of omens because they were following this star to yeah. Jesus. And I've been saying wise men this whole time, but the word that Matthew actually uses is magi. Yeah. Um, the magi were a priestly class from Persia, and they were also thought to be sorcerers. Ooh, so they could have been witches. You're going to love this. Someone who wrote a lot about the magi was of Sawbones fame, Pliny the Elder. Oh, great! <laughs> Why is Pliny the Elder so fascinated with magi? Because he was writing about all of their weird powers. Okay. A thing that Pliny said that the magi could do as a as a whole, not just these this group that visited Jesus. But all magi. Yeah. Was they could take a, a whetstone upon which iron tools have been frequently sharpened. If it's put without his being aware of it, beneath the pillow of a person sinking under the effects of poison. It will make him give evidence and declare what poison has been administered, and at what time and place, though at the same time he will not disclose the author of the crime. That's so useless. <laughs> well, no, you know what the poison is. I guess that's true, unless you don't have a cure for that poison. <laughs> a thing that he said they definitely could not do mm-hmm. is, he said that these magi said that people who were anointed with lion's fat could win favor with kings particularly the fat that lies between the eyebrows of the animal. And he said, that's ridiculous, because there's no fat between the the eyebrows of a lion. Okay, so they can (laughs) maybe save people from poison, but they cannot gather fat from between the eyebrows of lions? Yes, according to Pliny. He wrote chapters on this, but we don't need to go into that, because that's way off topic. (laughs) That was a beautiful diversion, and I'm thankful for it. (laughs) They were these weird mythical sorcerer. Yeah. They, like, they were real, but they were they were rumored to be able to do a lot of things. Okay. So, um, Persian sorcerers. Yeah. So, they were never mentioned to be kings. Okay. We get to kings starting around 200, when a theologian named uh, Tertullian calls them well-nigh kings. So, like, so important that they're almost kings. Okay. I guess I never thought of them as kings, but I'm glad someone did. I mean, we three kings. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. I wasn't sure if those were different kings. No, it's the same. Okay. Uh, there's also a reference in Psalm 72 to the fact that three kings, each from a different continent, will bring gifts. Um, so that sometimes also leads us to kings. And then... Prophecies, man. Yeah. And then another one in Isaiah. Uh, it says that kings are drawn to the Messiah's light, riding on camels, bringing golden incense. Okay. Is one of those where we get the idea that there were probably three of them? Psalm 72 talks about three in particular. And then on the side for definitely not kings, John Calvin. Of um, Calvinist fame? Yeah, of Calvinists. Uh, he disagreed. He said that this is the most ridiculous papist thing, saying that these men were kings because they were not and anyone who thinks that they were kings, we should laugh at their gross ignorance. Calm down, Calvin. <laughs> yeah, Calvin, not a fan of the papist tradition that led to kings. Okay, so they're not kings, but they are maybe witches. There's still an indeterminate number of them, but the Psalms say maybe there are three. What else do we need to know about these guys? Yeah, so... 
Where do we where do we get the three from? Yeah. There were three gifts. So it makes sense to assume that each would bring a gift. Sure. They divvied them up somewhere. But throughout history, there's been artistic depictions showing anywhere from two to twelve. Okay. As time goes on, we distill it down to a common set of names, a common number. We get three. Okay. It's hard to figure out exactly where that came from. But the Western tradition usually says that the three kings are Melchior from Persia, Gaspar from India, and Balthazar from Arabia. And these names probably come from a manuscript written in Alexandria in about 500. Okay. Though for sure we have a artistic representation of these three in particular at the end of the 6th century in the new Basilica of St. Apollinaris in Italy. So this depiction, it shows Gaspar as an old man with a white beard. It shows, it shows Melchior as a young man with no beard, and Balthazar as a middle-aged man with a dark beard. Cute. Some writings in the 8th century flip Gaspar and Melchior in terms of their looks. Okay. So we still don't know. <laughs> there are three guys. They're from somewhere to the east. They might have names. There might be more of them. Yeah, and so that's one set of names. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> so those are the 6th century names. Those are, honestly, if you hear names of the Three Kings, you're probably going to hear those names, especially in the United States. Okay. But, I sense a but. Yeah, the set of names that uh, some Syrian Christians will use is Larvandad, Gushnaspa, and Hormizdas. And Ethiopian Christianity uses the names Hor, Karsudan, and Basanatur. I practiced these and it still isn't better. <laughs> That's fine. Armenian Catholics will sometimes use Kagfa, Badadkaharida, and Badadlima. I like I like the names that I can say easily. <laughs> yeah, I mean Melchior, Gaspar, and Balthazar are pretty cool sounding anyway. Oh yeah. And the other ones are cool, but also way harder to say. I mean, I could probably learn to say them better. If I try it again. It's true. But I did practice. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I forgive you. <laughs> I can't say anything for anybody else. <laughs> the other fun note is, so I said that they were uh, Persia, India, and Arabia. A lot of Chinese Christians believe that one of the kings is from China. Oh, that makes sense. That is to the east. Yeah, could mm. very well be. I don't know. And the last thing I have about the kings, they get put in the manger scene, which like we already talked about. They, the, there's no manger in the story. And they were also definitely not there at the time of birth. Yeah. How long do we think after this was? So it could have been up to two years later because we hear Herod talking about killing any boys younger than two. True. But in the other story, they talk about taking Jesus to present him at the temple 40 days after he's born. If you're not contradicting that story, they had to have the baby, have the kings arrive, go to Egypt, come back from Egypt, get to Jerusalem all within 40 days. That's a lot of things to do in the first 40 days of a child's life. It's pretty busy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he lived an interesting life, that Jesus. <laughs> That's certainly true. But now we celebrate the king's coming on the Epiphany. The Three is... Kings Day. Yeah. That's however many days after Christmas? It's January 6th. Oh, it's a set date. Yes. It's the day my dad turns off his Christmas lights. Oh, it's fun. We used to wait until the stock show, which is a very specific Denver thing that celebrates sort of the end of the holiday season. 
but the electric bill gets pretty high. So we Fair <laughs> shortened out that time to three kings day. This day celebrates the kings. It also is used to celebrate the baptism of Jesus and the wedding at Cana, his first miracle. Oh, wow. All of those happen on January 6th? Yeah. We That's then, a big day. We, we celebrate all of them. So that is what I have on the kings and more generally Jesus' birth. Cool. That What a appropriate holiday story. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back for a little quiz. Sounds good. And now time for the patronage pop quiz, where I tell Shannon about a saint and she has to guess what they are the patron of. Oh boy, let's see how I do. I did not terribly last week. That's true. So maybe I'm starting to heat up. Yeah, and man, if I had given you St. Nicholas this week, it wouldn't have been very hard. But we're not doing that. Of course you're not. Why (laughs) would you ever make it easy on me, Brian? (laughs) Because I actually found a saint that is even more related to this story than St. Nicholas would have been. Is one of the wise men a saint? I think they all are, technically. Okay. But what saint are we actually talking about? We're talking about St. Helena of Constantinople. Okay. St. Helena was born to a poor family in Asia Minor in the mid-3rd century, and she became a stablemaid. She then married Constantius Corlys. Again, guys, pronunciation is hard. And gave birth to Constantine. In 292, Constantius was rising to power, so he decided to divorce her to marry Theodora, the stepdaughter of the emperor. Constantine was very loyal to his mother, so when he rose to power, he brought her with him. Because of her son, Helena decided to convert to Christianity. With all of her new power and religious zeal, she became famous for her generous donations to churches, and she decided to devote all of her free time to relic hunting. Oh boy. Yeah. She traveled to the Holy Land, and she had churches constructed at the sites of important events in Jesus' life, like the site of his birth and the site of his ascension. In 326, she destroyed a pagan temple that had been constructed by Hadrian at the site of Jesus' crucifixion. She began excavating the site and found three crosses. She took a sick woman to the crosses, and when the woman touched the first two, nothing happened. That's dramatic. But then she touched the third, and she was healed. Helena declared that this was the cross of Jesus, and had the Church of the Holy Sepulchre built on this site. Oh boy. She also found the nails of the crucifixion at this site. She gave one to Constantine, and he put it in his helmet to protect him. Other relics she is said to have found in the area were the crown of thorns, ropes used in the crucifixion, and Jesus's tunic. On another trip, she went to Persia to find the remains of the wise men. Oh boy, that's where we tie in for today. Yeah. And if you're wondering, why were these three men of varying ages from varying countries buried all together? So was I. (laughs) They were apparently buried all together because many years after the birth of Jesus, they saw another star and decided to get together again to build a tomb on the hill of Vaz, because they knew that a star was telling them that their time on Earth was short. So she was able to find them on this hill and bring them back in a box to Constance Noble. One box, three wise men? One box, three wise men. Great. Um, yeah, just a box of bones. They're now in a golden sarcophagus in Cologne Cathedral in Germany. Oh, wow. 
Helena died in 330 with her loving son by her side and was buried at the mausoleum of Helena outside Rome. So, Shannon, what is Helena the patron of? Hmm. Okay. It feels like religious relics probably don't have their own patron saint. They might, but she is not one of them. I figured that that was probably too easy. Is she the patron saint of archaeologists? She is! You got it! I did it! I did it! I did it! Thanks for uh, throwing one underhand to me today, Brian. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of weird things in there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she can't be the patron saint of, like, mothers, because I'm pretty sure Mary gets to do that. Well, there's multiple for for different things. So her whole list is she is the patron against fire, against thunder, of archaeologists, of converts, of difficult marriages, divorced people, dyers, empresses, new discoveries, nailsmiths, and needle makers. Cute. It's a good one. Dyers like people who dye fabric. I assume that's what that means. It's spelled with a Y? It is spelled with a Y. Then it probably is. I can't imagine what else that would mean. Yeah. (laughs) I like that she's the patron saint of converts. That makes sense also. Yeah, because she was pretty old when she converted. Yeah. Because she's the son of Constantine, like, the big Constantine Constantine. Yeah. She also, probably the coolest part of this is she was in her 70s when she was doing her relic trekking all over the world. She's cool. I like her a lot. (laughs) And, you know, some of the stuff she found was probably real. Sure. (laughs) Sure. I'm sure some of it was. And everything else made her happy. Yeah. And probably made other people happy. And that's what matters. That's really what matters. (laughs) Speaking of things that make us happy... Thank you to Adam Griffin for our awesome theme song. Thanks to David Griffin for editing this episode and also creating our rocking logo. Thanks for endearing hours and hours of our voices at this point, David. I'm sure it's only kind of pleasant for you. I don't know. My voice is great. I mean, mine goes through various (laughs) stages of weird, so who knows? If you want to tweet at us about the holidays about your questions about the Jesus birth story, or if you have theories on how many wise men there were, you can reach us on Twitter at school number four heathens. You can email us at sundayschoolforheathens at gmail.com. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to like and share the pod.